What do you want me to give you? Guarantees? These are kids, not appliances. Life is messy. I, I, I hate messy. It's, it's, it's so messy. You know, when I was 19, Grandpa took me on a roller coaster. Oh? <laughs> up, down, up, down. Oh, what a ride. What a great story. I always wanted to go again. You know, it was just interesting to me that a ride could make me so, so frightened, so scared, so sick, so, so excited and, and so thrilled all together. Some didn't like it. They went on the merry-go-round. That just goes around. Nothing. I like the roller coaster. You get more out of it. My daddy served in the army. We lost his right eye, but he flew a flag out in our yard. Till the day that he died, he wanted my mother, my brother, my sister and me to grow up and live happy in the land of the free. Now this nation that I love is falling under attack. A mighty sucker punch came flying in from somewhere in the back. Soon as we could see clearly through our big black eye, man, we lit up your world like the 4th of July. Fourth of July weekend, everybody. My name's Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. Open up with that clip from uh, the movie Parenthood. The roller coaster. You know, I thought it was kind of a uh, kind of a metaphor for life these days. You know, uh, it's uh, it's exciting and thrilling and scary and uh, frightening, and uh, it makes you uh, angry and happy all at the same time, depending on. Uh, what channels you're watching or uh, what you're doing, what you're drinking, um, you know, what kind of mood you're in, I guess. Um, it could drive yourself crazy if you take everything too seriously and uh, you can uh, you can uh, just let our country go down the toilet if you don't take anything seriously enough. So uh, what should we do? Get more serious or less serious? I don't know. I don't know. And, of course, Toby Keith, uh, brought to you courtesy of the Red, White, and Blue. What a great song for Fourth of July weekend! And uh, you know, I thought it was fitting in tribute with, uh, in in line with uh, Trump's uh, salute to America for the Fourth of July. Quite frankly, you know, I think the president's uh, pre- one of president's jobs should be to make you feel great about being an American. And uh, if the, if you didn't watch it, pull it up on YouTube. Don't just listen to it. Watch it. Cause it was, it was a, it was patriotic and it was, it, it was, it should it make you feel, feel proud to be an American. And, uh, he did a great job on that. And, uh, I don't think anybody could have anything negative to say, but of course they did. And you know what I was, I was watching, I saw a clip from Dinesh D'Souza, um, the other day on TV. And I think he sums everything up what's going on right now. 
Well, it seems, Laura, that under Obama, we had a sort of uh, cleavage between the people who affirmed American exceptionalism, what makes America unique, and Obama himself, who led the movement to say there's nothing exceptional about America, so kind of a denial of American exceptionalism. I think today the debate has moved so that, in a strange way, both sides, the right and the left, embrace American exceptionalism, except that the right, led by Trump, affirms that what makes America unique is good. America is uniquely good. Whereas the left takes the opposite view. They accept American exceptionalism, but they say America is exceptionally evil. And I think that just sums it up. And I think you're going to see that as I talk about the uh, happenings of last week. And I'll do them in chronological order, but I want to get through them quick so we can talk about the salute to America and we can end this thing on a on a happy Fourth of July. So you can uh, be happy when you're done with the, the when you're done listening to the show this week. But first, before I go any further, let me introduce myself. My name is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, and there are some fantastic opportunities out there, and you need financing, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll-free, area code 855-640-2020. If you don't want to talk with me on the phone, but you do want to get some information, you just want to you want to ease into it, you know, send me some some techno messages, go to edhoffman.net. Scroll down to where you see the Summit Funding logo, click on there, and there's my uh, uh, fill-in-the-form uh, uh, finance page, and you can uh, you can give me as much information as you want and uh, tell me how much information you want back, and you'll hear back from either myself or one of my talented teammates, Eric Marquez, Alex Rojas, uh, Cody Bradbury, Aaron Fredericks, or uh, Brian Goodman, and we will help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. Whether you want to refinance something you already have or whether you want to uh, buy a new piece of property, a property to live in, property to uh, rent out as an investment property or a vacation home, or if you're interested in getting information on those uh, reverse mortgage things, if you're over 62, what a great, what a great thing. Hey, you know, I, I'm not interested in that reverse mortgage thing. That's just not good. Just not good. Well, if that's your attitude, you probably don't know anything about it. So um, check them out. They are really good. And, you know, if you don't like them still, then do regular financing. But uh, if you're over 62, they are awesome. Um, if you hear something you want repeated, also on edhoffman.net, you can click on the podcast page and uh, hear, hear the show back as well as several past shows and a couple of uh, specialty shows that are on there. And uh, you can also get the podcast on uh, SoundCloud or iTunes and where you can subscribe for free, have it download to your, your phone or your computer or your iPad or your iPod or your mini pad, your maxi pad or your iWatch or whatever you get podcasts on these days and uh, have it, have it uh, just download automatically and listen on demand whenever it's convenient. If, uh, if listening to the radio isn't as convenient as podcasts, we're making it available to you. Follow me on Twitter at Ed Hoffman, where I current where I tweet about current events all week long. And uh, don't forget our listener hotline, 855-640-2092. So I'll try to I try to remember to say it at the end of the show. I usually forget, but just in case, if you hear have comments on this week's show and you wanna you wanna say something, 855-640-2092. Um so anyway, let's talk about what's going on this week and uh, this week and Try to go chrono chronological order and get through it fast so I can talk about what happened on Thursday. So uh, this week, Donald Trump became the first sitting U.S. president to set foot in North Korea. 
Although this meeting was, uh, you know, he was the first sitting president, although Jimmy Carter went there in 1994. Remember, Jimmy Carter was the president from January 77 till January 81. Well, he was uh, he was like the uh, the 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 second worst president in history, right behind Obama. He had the title up until uh, you know a couple years ago. So uh, he met with Kim Jong Sun. Of course, he wasn't the president. He wasn't anything. He just decided he's going to go over there. I think there's a law against that, but according uh, apparently, uh, if you're a Democrat, it's okay. Um, so uh, Kim Jong Sun, who I guess is, I'm not sure how he's how he's uh, related to uh Kim Jong Il who was the uh who was the president or the king or the whatever uh whatever Kim Jong Un is now that was Kim Jong Un's dad I'm not sure who uh how he was related but he was like the assistant president or the assistant uh whatever he was um he since returned twice more in 2010 to negotiate the release of an American hostage from Boston who entered through China which was unsuccessful and another time in 2011 to discuss Kim's Kim's regime the Kim regime's starvation of its people and continue attempting to discourage their nuclear ambitions and uh did that work uh no so uh you know Carter thinks it's his you know he he was elected president once we figured out it was a mistake Got rid of him, put Reagan in there, and uh, he he still hasn't figured it out. Bill Clinton went there in 2009 to negotiate the, rele- the release of American journalists Laura Ling and Yuna Lee, who were uh, being held hostage by Kim Jong Il. You know, uh, Bill Bill said, "Hey, you know what? They're gonna send me for they're gonna send me for free over there, and I get to take some chickies home with me." All right. All right, so anyway, so but they weren't sitting presidents at the time. So although the meeting was initially planned to take place on the Korean demilitarized zone, well, actually, it wasn't even planned. Uh, Trump was over in Japan for the G20s, a meeting with all these different uh, economic leaders for the for 20 different countries in Osaka, Japan. And while he's there, he said, hey, you know, what? I'm going to pop over to... Uh, to meet with uh, with President uh, Moon Jae-in, who's uh, the president of South Korea, and he tweeted and uh, said, "Hey, let's while we're over here, maybe he can he can uh, um, reignite the uh, the negotiations with uh, Kim Jong Un and uh, made it happen." I think uh, Trump didn't like the way the last one went, and uh, and said, "Hey, you know, my people aren't getting it done as fast. I'm here." Let's do something. Let's see if we can make a connection. So uh, it was it was initially planned to take place in the de- demilitarized zone. Um, President Trump asked Kim if he wanted him to cross over the line and took 10 steps into North Korea, uh, then escorted Kim back to the south for talks at the Freedom House, where they agreed to revive the stalled negotiations for nuclear disarmament. Here's, uh, here's what uh, Kim Jong-un said when they met in the middle and uh, Trump after the meeting. Good to see you again. I've never expected to meet you at this place. It's just an honor to be with you. It was an honor that you asked me to step over that line, and I was proud to step over the line. Pretty exciting clip there. Uh, you know, they, uh, they they came, they shook hands, they talked for a few minutes, and uh, got some photo ops, and uh, all was good. Kim hailed the moment, saying, Trump, I believe this is an expression of his willingness to eliminate all the unfortunate past and open a new future. The media said this. It makes me want to puke, just my visceral reaction as an American who cares about democracy and human rights. The fact that Donald Trump is going out of his way to kiss up 
just to this monster. With North Korea, Donald Trump has no strategy and he hasn't brought the American people to this moment where we can embrace what we saw this weekend. This is not a great man and Donald Trump seems to think he's the bee's knees. Can you imagine President Obama or Bush uh, going and doing a, a, a visit like we just saw, like we just showed on our screens here without getting something in return? No, not at all. And that's really the problem, Ari. Whether it's Putin, whether it's North Korea, you know, evangelical Christians, white conservatives in America have pretty much decided for the last three years that anything Donald Trump does is okay. You know what? These people are so moronish. You know, what? we, we have a, a little wild guy over there with nuclear weapons. Why would we, why would we, why would we not want to try and, try and defuse that whole thing over there and why are they making such a big deal out of this hey you know what i will admit north this you know kim jong-un is a moron he's a he's a maniac did uh did north korea kill uh otto warmbier yes they did should we should we go kill him over that should we start a nuclear war i don't think so no, I still, I, you know, I think what they did to him is, is, is a crime. And I think it's, uh, and I think it's, you know, it's, it's terrible, but I also have to wonder is what was he doing in North Korea? What did, you know, I don't know. I don't think he was over 18. So I don't know if his parents had any influence, any influence on his, on him, but I will tell you, my kids are, uh, 33 and 35 and, uh, and 45, um, if I can tell you, Don and I would would have something to say if one of our kids said they wanted to go to North Korea. We would have a lot to say, and we would have a lot to say that hey, maybe they can make their decision. But we would have a big influence on the fact that we'd get them to change their mind. You know, if well, he's going on a field trip over to North Korea. No, you're not. Uh, uh-uh, uh, no, under no circumstances. Well, you can't tell me what to do. Well, I can tell you what to do, but even though you you don't have to listen, but I'm going to tell you what to do anyway. But uh, you know, so I have to I have to wonder about Otto Warmbier's parents. Hey, why didn't you say something? Okay, so that's no that doesn't give an excuse for what happened. But this this wild man is out there. If you have a chance to, for the for the future of the world, for the future of Asia, for the future of America, why wouldn't we want to defuse this situation? And and Trump is saying, "Hey, you you uh, denuclearize, and we'll op- we'll take off the sanctions. You guys could could open up your uh, open up your country and be an economic an economic power and have nice lifestyle for everybody in your country, but you got to get rid of the nukes." And apparently, he's slow to accept that, but Trump keeps trying, and maybe this will work, and maybe it won't. But he's there. Why not do something? And of course. The media and the Democrats all have to say something about it. I remember uh, Obama doing something with uh, with Cuba a few years ago, and I remember him saying something like, uh, "Hey, you know, for 50 years of uh, of just uh, you know detente, being the cold shoulder, um, hasn't helped anything. Uh, if it's not working for 50 years, let's try something else." Well, they they. Do uh they have human rights issues the way they treat their people over there too? They have they've been shielding some people that killed some cops over here. They've got I mean they, we've got a whole bunch of issues with Cuba, but he he buddied up to Cuba and uh and uh, Castro and all that. But we we thought it was just wonderful. We thought it was just wonderful. We're gonna do business with Cuba and it's gonna make it nice for the people in Miami could just pop over there and they could pop back. It was just so perfect for Obama to do it. 
you know what? It's just whatever Trump does is no good. So it's, uh, you know, keep it, you know, keep, think about this stuff yourselves and say, Hey, this is our world. What do I think is the right thing to do here? Do I want to go to war? No. Do I want to know that, that these uh, maniacs over there have nuclear bombs that could possibly reach the West coast of, of the United States? That's us. That's California. And you realize if a bomb hits in Los Angeles, you know, pretty much everybody in a 40 mile race is, uh, in a 40 mile radius is just going to get cooked. So, uh, you know, we're even out here in the inland empire we're we're going to be in bad shape. So, uh, you know, I think, I think Trump is actually trying to do something. Hey, while I'm over here in Japan, I'm just, you know, uh, you know, uh, I don't know how long of a trip it is from Japan to Korea, you know, based on the map, it looks like, uh, you know, a five minute flight. Uh, it might be an hour, but um, he's right there. Why not do something while I'm there? Oh, wait, I'm supposed to be working while I'm here. Obama would have figured a way to take to take a to take a pop down to pop down to some uh, resort in Thailand or something to uh, make it a vacation, and we wouldn't have said anything about it. So anyway, that's my that's my that's my take on it. Um, Congressman, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, the next, the next bonehead thing in the news. Um, she voted no on Pelosi's humanitarian aid bill for migrants one week ago, uh, but she was one of 14 Democrats to take a congressional delegation trip down to the border detention facilities near El Paso this week to reinforce her concentration camp position. By now, you've probably heard AOC make this claim about the facilities. There's abuse in these, in these facilities. There's abuse. This was them on their best behavior, and they put them in a room with no running water, and these women were being told by CBP officers to drink out of the toilet. They were drinking water out of the toilet, and that was them knowing a congressional visit was coming. That was This is CBP on their best behavior, telling people to drink out of the toilet. Did you see somebody actually do that? Do you buy this BS? You know what? If you if you if you go on go online, you can see how they're set up. All the all the little uh, rooms in there have a have a single piece thing. It's got a little uh, stainless steel toilet and a sink with a drinking fountain all attached. Do you really believe? Do you believe that that the conditions in this country where uh, where cruel and unusual punishment? Is is a is a, is against your constitutional rights? Do you think that people in the United States would do that? Give me a break. Give me a break. She also made this claim she was being threatened and harassed by border patrol agents. I mean, in that last facility, I was not safe from the officers in that facility. Yeah, maybe maybe we should see how safe she is. I think maybe they should just take her and put her alone in the adult section with just the guys, and just take all the take all the uh, take all the agents, all the 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 board the uh, the guards out, and see how safe she feels. See how safe she feels, so she can see how the kids are treated when they're coming when they're coming from wherever in southern Mexico or Guatemala or Nicaragua or El Salvador and what's going on with these little kids on the way up and see the, those nice people that every all the Democrats want us to just release into our country. Here's what one Border Patrol employee witnessed AOC do in front of approximately 40 people. She comes out screaming at our agents right at the beginning of the tour, crying and screaming and yelling. The agents 
The agents, they wanted to respond, but they held back because she's a congressional delegate. But when you have somebody yelling at you in a threatening manner, they were like, hey, you need to kind of step back. AOC tweets out, and to these CBP officers saying they felt threatened by me, they were literally discussing making a GoFundMe for an officer who attacked, attacked me on my tour. They confiscated my phone and they were all alarmed. I'm five foot four. They're all just upset. I exposed their inhuman behavior. You know what? If you buy this BS, you're probably a Democrat. You need to look at both sides. You look at, need to look at both sides and use some common sense and go, hmm, what is it? What is it that someone's trying to make me believe? A second official said she went in and out of the cell during the group's briefing, returning to the group several times to share information that she'd learned from detainees, like the toilet water claim. She told the group she would not go with the 13 other congressional uh, Congress people in order to stay with the family. So they're all going through. They're giving them tours of all the facilities. And she kept leaving and coming, leaving and coming, not getting any, not getting the, the, the narrated tour. She wanted to go talk to the detainees by herself. And so she could get the inside information because, of course, we're going to keep everybody from talking. Uh, he also heard Ocasio-Cortez comment about the unofficial Border Patrol Facebook page that was exposed by the website ProPublica on Monday for offensive content, including some that was sexually demeaning content about her. Here's what the employee heard her say. Uh, quote, something under her breath. Oh, all these guys are going to F me. The agents are standing there behind computers. One of the agents laughed at something he was saying to another agent, and she got irate and flipped out. Um, now they're under investigation for it. She took it as if they were laughing at her and screams at them, says, What's so funny? All right. And here's Customs and Border Protection Deputy Commissioner Robert Perez on all of AOC's allegations, specifically the toilet water one. I can tell you with the utmost confidence that uh, the migrants, uh, anyone and everyone uh, in our custody at all of our facilities have ready access to fresh water, they have access to consumables, and the standards that we apply to make sure that on a recurring and very timed basis, that not only they have access to the types of consumables and fresh water that they would need, but I've never heard in 26 years of being in this business ever heard of uh, that type of allegation being made you know what's amazing to me is that hey we're trying this whole problem at the at the southern border is we got too many people not enough facilities when we try to say hey give us all you know uh um, allocate the money to make better facilities to to put the funds out there to make to make a to fix the problem there the congress won't pass it when we say, hey, let's build the wall, give us the money to build the wall so that we can stop people from coming over here and make it easier to stop people from coming across. And you know what? As um, the guy on uh, the guy on CNN showed where the, there's a section where there is a fence. Hey, look, there's nobody, nobody rushing the border here because when there's a fence there, they don't go because they know they can't get across. So the people wouldn't even make the trip from from uh, Central America or wherever in Mexico if they don't think they can get across. The problem is they think they can get across and they know they're just they're just going to get let out. Stop the problem. Every time the Trump administration tries to stop the problem, they get in his way. 
And apparently, uh, what was the thing that the the federal judge just stopped yesterday? Um, oh, detaining detaining the uh, the families until they have their uh, their their hearing. Said no, you can't detain them. It's three days. You can only keep them for three days, and then you got to let them let them go. Well, we can't get to them in three days, so you just got to let them go. You can let them go. They'll come back to their hearing. Well, ninety nine percent of them don't. So. You know, if if you don't see what's going on here, um, you need to open your eyes. You need to you need to be uh, you need to be thinking thinking clear. Um, you know, it's it's just amazing what what the what the left is trying to make us think is going on to push their narrative because 2020 is coming and they don't have anything to say other than we don't like Trump or what he's doing when he's doing a lot to fix this country. And uh, anyway, we're going to talk more about that in part two. Uh, Stay tuned for five minutes of uh, traffic, weather, commercial, and sports. We'll be right back with more of what happened this past week. Hey, Uncle Sam, put your name at the top of his list. And the Statue of Liberty started shaking her fist. And the eagle will fly. And it's going to be hell when you hear Mother Freedom start ringing her bell. And it'll feel like the whole is raining down on you. I'm brought to you courtesy of the red, white, and blue. And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name's Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. I don't talk a lot about uh, real estate and uh, financing on this show because if you're not in the market, uh, you probably think it's boring, but... You may not be in the market now, but maybe you should be. Interest rates are really, really, really good now. If you haven't thought about, uh, if you haven't thought about uh, refinancing, uh, interest rates have gone down in the last twelve months about three quarters of a point. So I think uh, we looked at last week. Last week the interest rate has dropped three quarters of a point in the last twelve months, year over year. And uh, so if you financed in the last year, might be a good time to consider refinancing. If you've got, you know, uh, your value of your house has gone up about, uh, I don't know, 50% in the last five years. So if you've, if you bought in the last five years, of course, interest rates were really low, but you had if you get mortgage insurance, you might be able to get rid of that mortgage insurance. So even if you got a three and a half percent, your three and a half percent, uh, with mortgage insurance at, uh, if it's an FHA at a 0.85, so you're at a 5.35. So, uh, or no, I'm sorry, 4.35. So uh, you're it might be it might be a time to consider checking out if it's refinancing. If you do, 855-640-2020, 855-640-2020, or edhoffman.net, and click on the Summit Funding uh, logo. So anyway, we're uh, talking about what's going on this week. Um, California 2019-2020 fiscal year budget started um, as of Monday this week. Um, the fiscal year budget is $214.8 billion, ironically named the affordability budget, took effect this week on July 1st. And uh, amazing, amazing to me who we've got running this state. So let's talk about it. The budget includes $1.7 billion to fight homelessness, with $650 million going to the county and city governments, as well as regional homelessness protection, prevention, regional homelessness prevention agencies in their local efforts to decrease homelessness. How do you prevent homelessness? 
It's interesting. It's interesting. I guess uh, I have some ideas. Increase their so it helps the, uh, them decrease homelessness and increase their stock of affordable housing. Large cities will receive a total of 275 million in grants. 190 million will go to counties, and additional 90 million allocated to fund support and prevention programs. Remember, all this money is going to the to the government. And the government people then just try to figure out how to whittle it off to get some of it in their own personal bank accounts. So, you know, if you know, it's, it's not their money, it's our money. It's our tax money. If, if it was your money and you had to figure out how do I fix my, my, my brother-in-law who doesn't have a job and, uh, and, uh, him and my sister are, uh, are living on our sofa. What do we got to do to get them? They're either on the streets or they're on my sofa. What do I do? You figure out what the most constructive thing to do is with your money and your, in the front of your foot up the back of his pants and you figure out how to get him not homeless. And so he can support his family when it's not your money. You just throw money at it and you figure out, well, see, here we got all these people. What if I just hire my, uh, well, my, my sister to run this thing. And I, she gives herself a couple hundred thousand dollars salary to run this. You know what? When the government does it, it costs, you know, a hundred times as much. And it does, uh, only one tenth as much to, uh, for the benefit. The budget also provides for 167 million for supportive housing for mentally ill people and su- substance abusers. Well, considering uh, what the city of San Francisco did when Gavin Newsom was the mayor, who's now the governor of California, well, you know, if you're shooting up, here's the here's what we're gonna do to fix that. We're gonna give you some free needles so you make sure you you don't uh, you don't spread any diseases. So you by reusing needles over, we're gonna do that. Now you can just throw them on the throw them on the ground. Hopefully nobody steps on them and then spread diseases. Another 52 million is dedicated to fighting homelessness among college students. 19% of California community college students in the state are homeless. That's because California community college kids, kids that don't have any money, they just enroll in college and then they can get a guaranteed student loan. They never go to college, so but they're homeless. But then they never but those student loans, you don't have to pay them back till you graduate. So since they never graduate, they never they never uh they never have to pay them back except for at some point at some point, they'll go after them, so they're, they've got screwed up credit forever. And, of course, Bernie Sanders will come out, well, it's not fair for you to not be able to get on with your life because of student loans that you can't pay back. It's so unfair in this country. So unfair. It's so unfair. We should stop giving people free stuff is, is what I think. Um... Uh, let's see here. Uh, it represents the largest budget investment in affordable housing, homeless shelters, and homelessness support services in the history of California. Because that's what Gavin Newsom thinks, and that's what the Democrats think, is we don't have enough housing. That's why people are homeless, because they're out of housing. I don't think that's the problem. I don't think it's a question of, well, there's just no houses to, to stay in. Senate pro tem Tony Atkins, a Democrat of San Diego, Assembly Speaker Anthony Rendon, Democrat of Lakewood, where I grew up, uh, I don't know him, and uh, of course I haven't lived there since I was uh, 21, uh, and Governor Gavin Newsom signed a joint statement that reads, we have come to an agreement on a package of housing measures, one that creates incentives, both sticks and carrots, to help spur housing production across the state, because that's the problem, we don't have enough housing. At the event to unveil the budget, Newsom remarked on the crisis, but in a way that made very little sense, taking no responsibility for the situation and throwing President 
Trump into the mix. Homelessness. The hell is going on with our state? I agree with the critics. I agree with all of you. You know, we got a crisis out there. We did some things, but we recognize good enough never is. There's no having made it. We got a lot of work to do next year and in the years to come. But I, I think in the spirit uh, of the speaker and of the pro tem and their generous words, uh, I think we did justice this year uh, to the effort. And to Donald Trump, eat your heart out. We're running record surpluses. You're running record deficits. That's a California value that also speaks to this remarkable state. Yeah, I, what 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 kind of deranged moron is proud of what you see happening in California? I don't know. Maybe he should uh, take a look at the. Maybe he should. Maybe he should drive around and just look at things. What's going on in in L.A. and San Francisco and I don't know Riverside and and San Bernardino and just about San Diego and just about everywhere else. Homeless people everywhere. Is it because um, we ran out of housing? I think it's because we started a a um, a uh, an attitude of entitlement eight ten years ago with Obama, and everybody thinks they're just entitled to something. You don't have to work for anything. You're just entitled. And then we continue that in the state of California, and everything is free. So, hey, if you're illegal, come to California. If you're homeless, come to California. If you don't have any money and you don't want to work for any money, come to California. Hey, you know what? If you're going to be homeless, at least it, the weather's nice. So come to California. Do you think that's going to have any effect on property values at some point in the state if we don't, you know, come, you know, become, uh, I don't know, uh, conscious? I think so. Newsom was likely including Trump in his remarks because of what the president said about leaders like him earlier this week. We cannot ruin our cities. And you have people that work in those cities. They work in office buildings. And to get into the building, they have to walk through a scene that nobody would have believed possible three years ago. And this is the liberal establishment. This is what I'm fighting. If you look at some of these, they're usually sanctuary cities run by very liberal people, and the states are run by very liberal people. But the thing that nobody can figure out is, do these governors or mayors, do they really think this is a positive? Do they really think this is okay? Because it's not. No, it's not. I agree 100%. And, you know, get on that merry-go-round. Get happy. Get scared. And, you know, don't take everything too seriously. But... Don't bury your head in the sand and just say, hey, eh, someone will fix it because no one's going to fix it unless you fix it. You know, all it takes all it takes is for evil to take over this country is for for good men to do nothing. And, uh, and I don't mean just good men. I mean, good women, too. So anyway, that's my uh, soapbox for the day. Let's talk about let's talk about good stuff. The salute to America. Fourth of July, Democrats have hijacked the Independence Day holiday once again, forcing America into shame over the migrant crisis that they caused by encouraging unfettered immigration. President Trump, as promised, set out to reclaim the patriotism of July 4th holiday with his Salute to America program, which happened Thursday at the Lincoln Memorial. It was awesome. It was awesome. Um, Leading up to the event, the, the president described it like this. 
We're going to have a great 4th of July in Washington, D.C. It'll be like no other. We're going to have planes going overhead, the best fighter jets in the world, and other planes, too. And we're going to have some tanks stationed outside. And we have uh, some incredible equipment, military equipment on display, brand new. And uh, we're very proud of it. Yeah, they were uh, M1A1 Abram tanks and Sherman tanks transported from uh, Fort Stewart in Georgia for the event. Uh, they weren't running up and down the streets. They were just on display. Uh, and here's here's almost a full minute of the media freakout over an American president organizing an event to celebrate the birthday of America. What is the message Donald Trump is trying to send by rolling tanks down Constitution Avenue? Who is that message to? It's certainly not to tyrants, because he likes tyrants. He loves tyrants. It's not to Putin. It's not to Kim Jong-un. It's not to the Saudis. Is it to our friends? Is it to Western democracies, who he doesn't particularly like? Or is it to us? Is it to the resistance in this country? I got tanks. I have this military armada. The message is a threat. And I hate to say that, but I think that Donald Trump styles himself a tyrant, not a defeater of tyrants. And this is nauseating, Chris, because this is not just obnoxious tackiness. This is actually dangerous because it's fundamentally un-American. Clearly, Donald Trump wants to transmit a message of his strength because he perceives himself as being seen as weak around the world, which he is. This was what something that the president saw. It was about bolstering himself up, looking like a dictator from another nation. He's perceived weak around the world? Um, I don't think so. I don't think so. And I think, um, I think if you pay attention, you probably feel it pretty good about, we look and we look strong out there. So I don't really know what, what they, I don't understand what they see. Cause I don't see him backing down to, or bowing down, backing down, putting red lines in the sand and not stay and not, uh, acting on it. I don't see that from Donald Trump, but I did see it from Obama for eight years. You know, it was a tribute to the freedom that the freedom that we have and those that were responsible for it. Let me play uh, part of his part of the beginning of his speech. That same righteous American spirit forged our glorious Constitution. That rugged American character led the legendary explorers Lewis and Clark on their perilous expedition across an untamed continent. It drove others to journey west and stake out their claim on the wild frontier. Devotion to our founding ideals led American patriots to abolish the evil of slavery, secure civil rights, and expand the blessings of liberty to all Americans. This is the noble purpose that inspired Abraham Lincoln to rededicate our nation to a new birth of freedom and to resolve that we will always have a government of, by, and for the people. Our quest for greatness unleashed a culture of discovery that led Thomas Edison to imagine his light bulb, Alexander Graham Bell to create the telephone, the Wright brothers to look to the sky and see the next great frontier. For Americans, nothing is impossible. Our nation's creativity and genius lit up the lights of Broadway and the sound stages of Hollywood. It filled the concert halls and airwaves around the world with the sound of jazz, opera, country, rock and roll, and rhythm and blues. It gave birth to the musical, the motion picture, the Western, 
the World Series, the Super Bowl, the skyscraper, the suspension bridge, the assembly line, and the mighty American automobile. Yeah, this was, uh, you know, CNN made a comment after it saying that it was like a it was like a eighth grade history class. He was ma- trying to he, they made fun of it. And, you know, quite frankly, uh, I don't think our kids learn American history. I don't think, you know, they learn black history and they learn uh, they learn about Muslims and they learn about and they learn about certain things. That they want to make sure that they learn about alternative lifestyles. But they don't just learn about American history and world history and how our civilization came to be. And I thought it was it was, you know, the whole the whole speech was less than an hour. I mean, it was hour with music and flyovers and all kinds of stuff. And he went into the uh, tribute to the armed forces and he did a, a and, you know, he pointed out some special guests some people from NASA and some people from the civil rights movement. And a lady was there that apparently opens up her kitchen and, and feeds the, uh, the first responders uh, every time there's a hurricane in Florida. And there's a whole, bu- whole bunch of people. I didn't list them all. And, uh, and uh, you know, there was a, they're just a whole, had a whole bunch of Medal of Honor winners there. And, uh, and he made tribute to all kinds of, all kinds of different people, different, uh, from different, uh, eras, different generations, uh, that were there and, uh, gold star families for people that gave up a loved one, uh, that, uh, that were, that died fighting for our, for our freedom. And then he went in to make, to give tributes to all, to all five, uh, branches of the armed forces, um, and he told stories about each one. I just I pulled a couple of couple of little lines from each little piece. Here's uh, the, the how he ended the part with uh, about the Coast Guard. Every Coast Guardsman is trusted to put service before all. Coasties plunge from helicopters and barrel through pouring rain and crashing waves to save American lives. They secure our borders from drug runners and terrorists in rough seas at high speeds. Their sharpshooters take out smugglers' engines with a single shot. They never miss when the red racing stripes of a Coast Guard vessel break the horizon. When their chopper blades pierce the sky, those in distress know that the help is on their way and our enemies know their time has come. Then he went on, you know, he told stories about how the Coast Guard started. Then he told, told how the Air Force started. On a cold December morning... In 1903, a miracle occurred over the dunes of Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, when two bicycle makers from Ohio defied gravity with a 12-horsepower engine, wings made of cotton, and just a few dollars in their pockets. Just six years later, America was training its first pilots to take these magnificent machines up and over the field of battle. In World War I, our flyboys rushed the skies of Europe when empires across the oceans tried to carve up the world for themselves. And America stood in the way we wouldn't let it happen. After Pearl Harbor, Lieutenant Colonel James Doolittle and his raiders flew B-25 bombers off a carrier deck in the deep Pacific in a daring feat of American resolve. And as President Roosevelt said, the Nazis built a fortress around Europe, but they forgot to put a roof on it. 
Then then came two F-22 Raptors uh, surrounding a B-2 stealth bomber that did a low flyover, and it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Very patriotic and very, very... you couldn't help but be proud of of the of our armed forces. Then he went on to tell stories about the Navy and finished it up kind of like this. From the naval demolition units of World War II arose a force that became famous in the Mekong Delta. They don't want to see our force again. The very best of the very best the Navy SEALs. It was the SEALs who delivered vengeance on the terrorists who planned the September 11th attack on our homeland. It was the SEALs who stand ready to bring righteous retribution in mountain, jungle, desert to those who do us harm. America's sailors are not born. They are forged by the sea. Their traditions are rich with the salt and blood of three centuries. When old glory crests the waves of foreign shores, every friend and every foe knows that justice sails those waters. It sails with the United States Navy. Then in come four Navy uh, fighter jets, including a couple of F-35s, which I know are the the ones that are gazillion dollars that were just being built. Um, It was beautiful. Then he talked about the Marines. From the Chosun Reservoir... To Quezon, from Helmand to Baghdad, Marines have struck fear into the hearts of our enemies and put solace into the hearts of our friends. Marines always lead the way. After the 1983 Marine barracks bombing in Beirut, which claimed the lives of 241 great U.S. servicemen, Marine Sergeant Jeffrey Nashton lay in bandages, so badly wounded, barely alive. When the Commandant of the Marine Corps came to visit his hospital, Sergeant Nashton had to feel for the General's collar. He wanted to feel his four stars. He could not see and he could not speak. He signaled for pen and paper, and with shaking hand, he wrote two words, Semper Fi. That That motto, Semper Fidelis, always faithful, burns in the soul of every Marine, a sacred promise the Corps has kept since the birth of our country. They are the elite masters of air and land and sea on battlefields all across the globe. They are the United States Marines. Then came some marine helicopters, and then he went into stories about the army and the army, the oldest, the oldest uh, military unit. Lots and lots and lots of stories, and finish it up with this. Through centuries, our soldiers have always pointed toward home, proclaiming, "This we'll defend." They live by the creed of Douglas MacArthur: "In war, there is no substitute." For victory, they are the greatest soldiers on earth. This is a really, really abridged version of this. If you get a chance, go to YouTube and put uh, Trump salute for America and watch this whole thing. Watch it on the video so you can see it. If you didn't get a chance to see it, this thing was will will bring the hair up on the on your arms and the tears out of your eyes. Uh, he closed the speech like this. The future belongs to the brave the strong, the proud, and the free. 
We are one people chasing one dream and one magnificent destiny. We all share the same heroes, the same home, the same heart, and we are all made by the same almighty God. From, From the, the banks of the Chesapeake to the cliffs of California, from the humming shores of the Great Lakes to the sand dunes of the Carolinas, from the fields of the heartland to the Everglades of Florida, the spirit of American independence will never fade, never fail, but will reign forever and ever and ever. That was not partisan. That was, I don't care how much, how much that event cost, it was worth it because that put, that put pride in every, every American who watched it. There was nothing he said that could have, that could have offended anybody. There was nothing he said that they could say was partisan. There was nothing he said that wasn't very patriotic, very positive. He hit every, he hit everything and didn't, he didn't, uh, he didn't, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He didn't, he didn't spike the ball. He, he was, he was just doing what a president should do. Make us feel great about being Americans. Make us feel great about why the, what the 4th of July means and God bless America. And, and you know, it was, it was beautiful. Watch that thing. If you haven't seen it, watch it. If you have seen it, watch it one more time because it's just, it, that was, that's what a president's supposed to do. Lead our country. And, God bless America, man. That was I loved it. Um, hey, if you got comments on this week's show, the uh, listener hotline, 855-640-2092. I'm, uh, I'm anxious to hear your thoughts. And uh, that's all the time I have for this week. My name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening to the main event, and I'll be back again with you next week. The opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Summit Funding Incorporated. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921, California DRE ID number 1012658, Arizona MLO license number 0926439, branch NMLS ID number 1841782, Summit Funding Incorporated, NMLS ID number 3199, Arizona license number 0925837, equal housing opportunity.